Welcome back to the Red Dice Diaries. I'm John. I'll be your host for this special call-in slash voicemail episode. So let's get cracking. John, it's Mark. I was uh, listening to your recent bonus episode and about the fetishizing of dice, and I can't say I'm not guilty of that. Uh, since starting into the hobby, I've actually developed my own, quite the collection of different metal dice, that along with stone dice. Stone dice being my top one, it's just they're so damn expensive. Um, not to mention, they kind of chip easily if you're not rolling them on the right tray. Uh, as far as my first set of dice, I think it was probably a Chessex set. And honestly, I don't really see it so much as a fetishizing. It's just part of the hobby, you know? I mean, if I see a pair of dice that catches my eye, you know, you you, you would want to buy that. Because it's just cool. And, you know, it's what what's, comes with the game. But anyway, that's just my two cents. Keep it up, man. Have a good one. Thank you very much, Mark. That was Mark from the Yawning Owlbear leaving me a voicemail about dice fetishizing. And I think, yeah, you make a good point, Mark. The dice are a core part of the hobby. Uh, there, It's nice to have a nice colored set of dice or dice with a, a nice particular finish. And to be honest, as long as you're not spending more money than you can afford, it's like any other hobby. Who am I to tell you any different? Crack, crack on, get as many sets of dice as you like. Like I said, as long as you're, you're living to your means, it's all good. And I'd be lying if I said I was entirely immune to the allure of a nice set of dice. I mean, I've got, I, I've sort of gone for like a bit of a green and red color palette, red for obvious reasons, green due to my affection for the Midlands, and also a nice bright set of toxic luminous green dice in there as well. So when it comes down to it, I like a nice side of set of dice as well. So thank you very much for your call in, Mark. Let's see who's next. Hi, John. Goblin's Henchman here. Just been listening to the back and forth about thieves in um, in sort of D&D kind of games. And I think I must be one of the few dissenting voices here that's uh, you know, happy with the idea of, uh, of thieves generally. And I even like the term, the title thief. Um, and it got me thinking about what about... Um, the thief makes it seem okay in, you know, working within a party. Now, again, I agree, stealing for the party isn't great, but I do think a little bit of needle there where people slightly worrying about it, it's quite good fun. But I think what I, what bubbled to the top of my mind was the word thief guild. Now, obviously, within the guild, thieves tend to behave themselves. There's a structure, there's rules, um, you know, there's a bit of shenanigans, but generally there's a structure. And that made me think, well, is a PC really part of its own guild in the uh, in part you know, the party is the guild you know a sort of group that has loyalty affiliation anyway cheers fella just a thought thanks very much for that message goblins henchman and yeah you make an interesting point of view about the thieves guild which as we know is an established part of many a fantasy setting and perhaps the the player character thief sees the rest of the party as their guild, their extended family, however you want to see it. I think that's a really cool idea. And it works well because, as we know from real life, families 
don't always get on. They sometimes have arguments, but often they will band together against an external force. And I think that's a really cool analogy for an adventuring party. I'm still not particularly keen on the title of Thief since I do think it brings a fair bit of baggage with it. But as many people have told me, you're absolutely right. You can't, the, 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 you, you can easily get over that baggage if you've got some good role players who are, are sort of group minded and they appreciate the fact that role playing is a group activity and everyone that is there to have fun. And I think as long as everyone keeps that in mind, really everything else is pretty much negotiable. So thank you very much again for that message, Goblins Henchman. Let's see who's next on the post bag. Hey, John, Jason here, Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I agree with you with the silly races. If that offends somebody, I'm sorry, but some of the new races in these games are stupid and suck it up. But... You know, I think the Black Hack handles it well, and I think the idea of just not giving them a mechanical bonus handles it well. I think the other reason, though, people play the other races, the demi-human races, is because they're pow- maybe the players aren't power gamers, but the races have so many advantages. If you look at delving deeper, the dwarf is like a super race. They have all kinds of super abilities. They have love- saving throws four levels higher than their level. All kinds of good stuff. And, and and you see that in other editions too. So I think that's part of it. Anyhow, I'll talk to you later. That was the man, the legend, Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast there. Thank you very much, Jason, for that message. And yeah, I agree with you. I find a lot of these sort of weird, off-the-wall, wacky races, I just find them a little bit silly and yeah you can always say oh well how is it any more silly than like an elf or a dwarf or whatever and i suppose you'd be right those concepts are just more deeply entrenched within my sort of understanding of fantasy whereas if you come in saying oh i'm playing a fluorescent pink furred cat man i'll i'll probably sigh and my soul will die a little inside because that that just seems a little silly to me but to be honest, that's my problem. If you're playing that race in an entertaining and non-disruptive way, I should really get over myself and just crack on with the game. And yeah, if so, I'm all for if someone wants to play a race that really, really, really doesn't have a way of fitting into a campaign world of the GM just saying, no, we can't do that. But how about this race? Why are you trying to portray this strange race, what is it you're after? Maybe we can find a way to find a race that is established within my campaign world that would sort of tick those same boxes for you. Or perhaps maybe they might even be able to adapt their campaign world to include the race the player wants. And yeah, that's fine. If if it's not disrupting the game, everyone's having fun and it fits within your campaign world, that's great. Just crack on. Although I do think a lot of times, and again, if this is all from my personal experience, I do think a lot of times people are just trying to get cool powers or, as I said in the original episode, make their characters unique without thinking, well, maybe I could make them unique via the role-playing of their personality or some of their background rather than just, oh, well, I'm a weird fluorescent pink cat person. 
Mind you, as Jason said, he's right about delving deeper. The Dwarves do get all sorts of advantages, including their saving throws being four levels higher than their actual level. And as someone who's played a Dwarf in delving deeper, I suppose I don't really have a, a stumpy little leg to stand on. But I've got to say, having played in Cody M's uh, delving deeper Barrow Maze game, I went for a Dwarf and it was only about four sessions in when I actually realised they had that saving throw bonus and to be honest i looked at the book and i went what's that and i was like dwarves cool short beardy grumpy keep grudges like a drink like fighting it's an old school game it's about fighting it's about breaking into tombs let's go give me some of that dwarven goodness right now and to me that's pretty much how i tend to respond to most of my characters i don't look at them and think oh how can i use this this weird race to make up for perhaps a, a lack of role-playing or how can I get the most cool powers? I, I look for what's the race that speaks to me? What's the one that gets me excited? What's the one that makes me want to play a really cool character? And that's just how I see it. So thank you very much for that call, Jason. Let's see what we've got coming up next. Hey, up! I think it might be Shandy Andy. I think he's got something to say about thieves. Hey up John, Shandy Andy here. I hear what you're saying about the Thieves subsystem in BX. I'm not a big fan of it being percentile either. I mean, I'm sure you're aware there are a lot of um, conversions to D6 or 2D6 on the web. I mean, one I particularly think is quite good is from uh, Dyson's Dodecahedron um, Volume 1, Issue 1, where he does 2D... Uh, an article 2d6 thievery robbing and stealing without percentiles and I, I think that's quite a nice little chart and what have you in there single sheet of a4 so quite nice the one thing i would say though is no sort of game is really old school is it without some type of bizarre subsystem in it <laughs> yeah i think you've got me there and the i mean thank you very much for the call and you're absolutely right I don't think many old school games are immune to the strange bolted on subsystem. That certainly tends to be a lot of how uh, how a lot of them work that I've sort of experienced. And yeah, I'm aware there are D6 thief skill conversions out there. Lamentations of the Flame Princess is one of my favorite OSR books. And that, although it doesn't call them thieves, it has a similar class called i believe it's the the expert that has a variety of thiefy skills that work off a d6 although i wasn't aware of the dyson dodecahedron article that you'd pointed out so i will certainly have a rummage around and see if i can find a copy of that to give that a look so thank you very much and oh wait, wait, wait a second I, I don't think andy's done yet so what else have you got that you want to talk about andy john shandy andy here I'm agreeing with you, Bugbear, again. I'm not a big fan of these completely wacky races and player characters playing them. Uh, but I am a bit old school, having said that. But also, I do like playing the occasional halfling. And there are certain anchorites not too far from us who would count those as wacky and bizarre races not to be had in their campaigns. Not to mention gnomes. But anyway, I digress. Yeah, my, my issue 
I think I don't think it matters in something like a dungeon crawl, you know, where you're playing in a mega dungeon and you're just going down killing things and there's not really that much to the backstory or any confusion or anything. That's fine. Yeah, as I've said before in previous episodes, and indeed in this episode, I'm really not a fan of those wacky sort of strange races that seem to be becoming more and more prevalent recently, certainly in D&D, but in other role-playing games as well. Now, I really can't bring myself to agree with Harvelings being a weird race, given as they're at the centre of the, the sort of two big Tolkien classics, uh, Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, which are, are still going strong today and certainly form one of the like the cornerstones of Western fantasy. So I don't really consider them a weird race, although that implies that you're sort of playing like a sort of Tolkien-esque Hobbit. I'm certainly less fond of these strange lithe Mad Max road warrior halflings that seem to be all the rage in D&D nowadays. So perhaps I'm a bit old school myself in that regard. I prefer to see halflings more as a sort of Bilbo Baggins reluctant adventurer, slightly odd sort of Tolkien-esque hobbit rather than some sort of armor-wearing, muscled-up, mohawk-bearing warrior as seems to be the trend in so fifth edition and current versions of D&D, although I think it's been going on for a while. Thank you very much for your call in, Andy. I hope you have a very Merry Christmas. Take care, and I'll speak to you soon. I love the toxic green dice. That I would like to photograph those. That sounds fun. Uh, what I like to do with Tim's dice is take pictures of them. So that that's what that's where the fun is for me. I like to photograph his favorite dice, like his wimpy dice, which he's had forever, and that kind of thing. It's hard for me to talk because I'm missing five teeth. So I apologize for the way I sound. I'm not drunk. I'm just missing some teeth. <laughs> Have a good week, Whisk Out. And thank you also for the shout out. And thank you also for the gaming. If I wanted to go out there and game, that's all very cool. All right, that's it for me. Whisk out. Thanks very much, Ivy. The happy whisk there. Always a pleasure to get a call in from you. I'm sorry to hear that you're missing five teeth at the minute. Not really sure what's going on with that, but I hope that whatever has happened there, it's getting sorted out and you'll soon be on the mend. Yeah, I've got to agree with you. There is something about the allure of the the patterns and the bright colours of dice, and some of the, the sets that I've seen are absolutely beautiful. And I've got to admit that the sets of dice that are in the little school holder that my wife Hannah bought me are mainly there because they're, they, they match the sort of red and green theme I've got going on, and they appeal to me for the games that I'm running. So the, the Midlands I'm running at the minute has a strong sort of green-hued theme to it. There's like gloomium, this green radioactive substance, which is the main like warpstone-style magical thing in the setting. And that's described as being bright green. So I got the toxic green dice because they reminded me of that. Then obviously red dice because, well, red dice diaries and red being my favorite color. 
And then I had a set that was sort of like pearlescent red and green, so best of both worlds. And then Hannah bought me this school holder. So all of those went in there, and they're the, they're the ones I use for my current games. So thank you very much for your message, Ivy. I hope both you and Tim have a very happy Christmas up at the manor. And in our final call-in of this episode, it's Evil Jeff! Take it away, Jeff. Hey, John. It's Evil Jeff. Been going through your back catalog and caught up with the Downtime and RPGs podcast that you did. Uh, lots of good information there. Uh, thank you for that conversation. A couple nuggets in there that I'm going to go ahead and take and uh, adapt for the campaign that I'm running for my minion and myself. Uh, hadn't thought about it too much, but now it gives me somewhere to go there. So, thank you for that. Uh, also, uh, heard your DJ name, and if you don't remember that one, you might want to go back and listen to it. Uh, I won't repeat it here. We'll let you find it. Later. Thanks very much for the call in, Jeff. I'm glad you're enjoying the back catalog and you're getting some use out of it. Yeah, I've got to admit, although I remember doing that episode, my memory isn't quite what it used to be. And I had forgotten all about my DJ name from that episode, but I actually quite enjoyed going back and listening to it and listening to the sort of banter between myself, Johannes and Lloyd, which is something I don't do very often. I tend not to go back and listen to my own episodes because I'm never particularly fond of the way I sound when I'm recorded, but I did enjoy listening to that blast from the past and should probably do that more often. So thank you very much for calling that to my attention. And if you're not sure what uh, Jeff is referring to, well, I did an episode in season one when I was talking about downtime in RPGs and at one point, while the banter was going particularly strong, uh, one of my uh, co-hosts referred, I believe it was Johannes, referred to a, as a hypothetical NPC in a Mad Max sort of apocalyptic future scenario as Johnny Bleep Nuts. And you can replace that bleep with a four-letter word, which is normally a way of telling someone to go away strongly. And I'm sure you know what I mean. And I said, that sounds like my DJ name. So I had a bit of a chuckle about that when I was reacquainting myself with that on the bus to work yesterday morning. So thank you very much for your calls, everyone who has called in. So we had Mark from the Yawning Owl there. We had Goblin's Henchman, Jason Connolly from Nerds RPG Variety Cast, Shandy Andy, Ivy the Happy Whisk, and last but by no means at least, Evil Jeff. So thank you very much for calling in. I enjoyed listening to all of your messages and answering the and answering these voicemails and doing these bonus episodes is one of the, my favorite parts of running an anchor podcast because it feels more like a conversation rather than me just shouting into a void. So please, if you've got any ideas for future episodes or you just want to have a chat or bring me up on something. Maybe you agree with me. Maybe you disagree with me. That's absolutely fine. I never mind that. I'd rather we were having a conversation about it. So please 
feel free to leave me a voicemail on the Anchor app. There'll be a link to do that in the show notes. Or you can send me an email or an MP3 attachment, if you prefer, to reddicediaries at gmail.com. And I will try and answer any voicemails I receive as soon as I can in a bonus episode like this one. So all that it remains for me to do is to thank once again everyone who sent in a voicemail and to you out there for taking a bit of time out of your day to listen to my ramblings. I hope you have a very happy Christmas, festive season and New Year. I'm sure I'll speak to you again before then, but just in case I don't, have a great one. And whatever you're playing, whatever presents you're getting for Christmas, have fun and enjoy yourself. Take care and I'll see you soon. Thank you.